From Koningstein Road in the east to Cetus Gap in the west, an orange curtain has descended across the Ojai Valley. This is Ojai Talk of the Town. Hey everyone, Brett Bradigan, editor of your Ojai magazines, the monthly and quarterly. Our guest is Stu Crowner, who moved to town uh, 15, 17, 8 years ago and got himself very busy right away. A Emmy-winning producer, he is also producing a series of shows for the Ojai Performing Arts Theater that'll be coming up. We talk about that and many, many other things. I think you'll really enjoy, especially some of his anecdotes about Audrey Hepburn and Jenny Jones. Hey, Stu. Hello. Thanks for joining me. Okay. Well, the first thing on the agenda is we wanted to talk about the OPAT performances coming up. Oh, well, nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> We've got three really interesting shows, and of course, every producer would want to say it's really interesting, it's the best yet, but this is a little unusual for OPAT, where we're used to doing the classics of American and, and other theater. And this one is going to be, the first one is, is a one-man show uh, based on his his own life, an autobiography, which is absolutely hysterical, uh, really funny. Richard Camp is the writer. And then Richard, who is also the artistic director, picked as the second show. The first show is in May. The second show would be in the summer, is The Fantastics, which was on Broadway, not, not on Broadway, in New York, a very dip, big difference, running... F- Without stopping for forty-two years. Yeah, Did you know that? crazy. Amazing. Is that the longest it ever? Is more ever. than cats. In the World or? Theater, uh, there was one that it, it overcame came something. But uh, yeah, forty-two years. That's a lot of uh, planet radish. Yeah. Why did it uh, have such uh, legs? Well, for one thing, it didn't cost very much. It was four characters, uh, a piano, and a harp. And a little tiny theater, 96th Theater, the Sullivan okay. Street Playhouse in New York. And that, that cutting cost, you can keep doing it, whether you're making yeah. a lot of money. But it was a charming show, and it is a charming show. Nice. Our well, third show is going to be in November and December, and that we hope we'll be able to license the Tracy Let's Play called The Minutes, which is about a small town called Big Cherry and all of the turmoil in the city council. Sounds, yeah, right up our alley. <laughs> Do you think? Well, I bet by then all the, everything will just be smoothed over and it'll Maybe. be kumbaya. Yeah. So, um, Tracy Letts, though, I imagine that's not cheap. Uh, well, it's a straight play. You know, a musical is uh, $700 per performance uh, for royalties, as much as that. But a straight play could be between 75 and $300. Oh, really? So, that's yeah. not so bad. That's not then. so bad. But what's, uh, you know, what are the runs going to be? Three shows? Uh, we'll do three shows uh, in one in May, one in the summer, and one in uh, November, December. And we'll do probably six performances of each. Six. So in the Matillaha? Maybe Matillaha. Matillaha is not right for, for the Fantastics, which has to be more intimate. Yeah. But uh, we, we could probably make it work. But we're, we're, we're working on that now. Well, the Matilla, that's a lot of inventory. 300 seats, mm-hmm. six performances, 1,800 right. seats. Right. Yeah. Well, it yeah. worked for the Fantastics for 42 years. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's like, that would be daunting to me to look at yeah, the yeah, seating we, charts we and be, things. how are we going to get butts in those seats? Well, we probably, for the for the one-man show, we probably won't do three performances at Matilla. Yeah. It'll be like three performances of 100 in a smaller venue. But that's the good thing about Ojai, about OPAT is that we don't have to be at one theater. We don't own a theater. We yeah. go to the best place for it. Like best Man of La Mancha, we did the Art Center Theater. Oh, I remember how much I enjoyed that. The sets were fantastic. Were they great? Yeah. That was uh, some carpentry. And, and John Merck, wonderful. Yeah. Well, John has been behind the scenes of many yep. great productions yep. in Ojai. And it will continue since to his, be. Since his kids were in the... Uh, the system yeah well richard was working on a one-man play with sammy zaringer he still is and that that may be one that we do at another venue which 
We're not ready to announce yet. Yeah, but, uh, the League of Competitive Housewifery. <laughs> Isn't that great? I just that's, that's the name Sammy. of her column, right? That's yeah. her, her title. That was one of her personas oh, that she adopted. Uh, personas. She's got a, another one coming this next issue, which is, I don't know where that lady comes up with it. She's got, I mean, I read George Saunders. I think he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's quite as entertaining as Sammy. Sammy. Oh, I really great. don't. Great. And they seem, they seem to have the same bizarre edge to how they view the world. She grew up in the Outer Hebrides, you know. So yeah. Maybe that is part of the, the Isle of Lewis. That's right. You know who else came from the Isle of Lewis? No. Um, grandmother, or no, mother of the former president. Barbara Bush? No. No. Donald John Trump. His mother came from Isle of the Lewis. Isle of Lewis. Yeah. Oh, That's one of their, must be yeah, brides. Brides are one of their leading exports. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So tell me, uh, OPAT, Ohio Performance Arts Theater, right? Which uh, nonprofit founded by Joan Kemper what, right. back in the mid two thousands? About ten years, about eleven years ago. Yeah. Okay. And the idea at one point was to have to actually build a performing arts space in conjunction with the school district, maybe at the school district headquarters. I know there's been various plans bruited about over the years and as big vision. Um, but I see that even without that, it's like you're building the infrastructure and, you know, the community that goes around that. And the, resp- the, and the approvals that have to be gained by yeah. the community. And uh, I, I, I can't really speak about that thing. But Joan's still clinging to it, but uh, uh, she's probably realistic, too. I mean, she got the state to pony up $6 million or some, some damn yeah. thing. Like and then there was also the USDA, right, as that's where the Forest Service, from. as a economically challenged zone. Which seems a bit um, ironic, but you know, you're talking about once you get out of the little core of Ojai, this it's the prosperity, the affluence yeah. dwindles quickly. Hello, affluence. Are you yeah. over there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered where affluence was because I can't find it. <laughs> I can't either. Yeah, I think it just left. Yeah. So that's. Uh, an interesting career path for yourself getting getting here. Oh, it's definitely not a career path. It's just fun. I love working with Joan. I just do. She's a remarkable woman. and uh, The grand dame. The grand dame. And I've learned a lot about, about theater from her because I come from television. I completely yeah. come from television. And uh, so I was a newbie. And she took me under her wing. And now we work together. And uh, but I I do it because I like her, not because I love the theater so much as I really like working. With her. Yeah, that's really going to be fun. So is that the plan? Is the three shows every year is like the season? Well, or it'll depend we, on as we get stronger factors. and you know we 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 have a lot of uh, grants that are given to us that we apply for, and that's what keeps us alive. Along with uh, a wonderful um, backers audition that Joan has for every show at her house and. She says uh, she invites people who have some money, and and she says you're not leaving until I get a check from you. <laughs> yeah, that's so, an so amazing that's amount of fundraising it. that makes this community run. Yeah, you're not it kidding. It really is uh, quite remarkable. A town this small, it's mostly just runs on generosity. It's certainly not a good business proposition. No, no, it's very hard to get bigger and do more shows. Yeah. So how, how did you make your selections? What was the process? Who's involved? Uh, Richard, mostly. Uh, Richard Camp is the artistic director, and uh, he comes up with a list, and he talks with Joan about them, and she says, mm, I'm nervous about putting butts yeah. in seats for that one, you know, or how about this? And, and what about the local talent? Do you have to keep that in mind, like who's right for which parts? Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't we have auditions, to. and they sometimes yield some good things, but mostly it's people that we know, whose uh-huh. work we know. And it's like a troop, almost. A, a little troop. Well, yeah. I, suppose, I suppose you could say that, although you know, there's not a lot of recidivists. You know, uh, Scott White has done every show we've done, practically, and Asunta Fleming did four, and, and Laura Duckins has done four. and But... yeah. We, we we look all over the over the place for it. people coming in from Santa Barbara from Los Angeles, 
We had two terrific actors from Los Angeles last year in, in Harvey. And Are they uh, equity? You've got to pay yeah. equity? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, we want to play equity. Yeah, we sure. Wouldn't it be great the, if everybody could people? get rich on every performance? I mean, that would be the dream, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, equity scale is not very big. It's not, you can't really make a living on it. And uh, Yeah. I, I just find it such a fascinating way to make a living as a performer. Oh, boy. I think they know when they're like two or three years old. That they the want little, to be little uh, ham bones. Yeah. <laughs> always hamming it up. <laughs> I think you can see that. I don't see many shy people that, uh, introverted people that do well on stage. I think they have an interiority that makes them really watchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of somebody treat. like Jack Nicholson maybe would be an oh, example yeah. of somebody who's Got a lot going on. But is that it? because he's a camera actor and he's playing to a close-up and you see those subtleties? Yeah, and that you what, wouldn't what show on stage. What if Jack Nicholson was on Broadway? With that, Has he ever work? been? I don't I know. Don't think Not so, that but, I'm aware of. But you lose that close-up. Yeah. The, so you have to, you know, the you have to get it some other way. I, I don't know how actors do it. Yeah, in the direction to pull that mm-hmm. performances out of people. I mean, it's quite an interesting whatever you would call it, not ecosystem, I guess is probably the word I'm looking for, of how you stage and cast and direct and market and everything, especially in a small town. Ojai plays host to a lot of really wonderful, I mean, artists. the Ojai Playwrights Conference, I mean, where they come town, workshop plays, best playwrights in the country, and then the Ojai Music Festival is another example and I made this point before on the podcast that for those two weeks, if not others, there's probably more concentrated creativity going on in Ojai than anywhere else on earth. Wow. Think about it. Where else? Tanglewood? That's like a residency. That's not... That's not yeah. year-round. I mean, and they're doing... Uh, uh, they're doing um, this, uh, already this. work. They're not creating new works. Right, they're just repeating. I'm sure else's there's other or... like Caddo or Iowa Writers mm-hmm. Workshop, but oh, yeah, of I don't know if they're bringing in the level that they would at the Ohio Playwrights Conference, for example. Really? Yeah. Is it because of the, lo- the cl- proximity to Los Angeles? That, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's easy it enough proximity. to get here. Yeah, and it's such a wonderful setting. Of course, I think if Ohio would do well, even if it wasn't in, in you know Nebraska or somewhere, if people. Had that Bring experience. Bring people in from Lincoln? Can. Lincoln, yeah, the <laughs> University of the Cornhuskers. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking um, about, oh, yeah, you wanted me to ask about Audrey Hepburn. I want to hear about oh, yeah. Audrey Hepburn. Because we'll get into your career, but this would be a good entree point just to okay. explain that, and then we can disassemble it from there. We came up with an idea for a public television series called Gardens of the World, and uh, the idea was to be in the garden to experience the gardens of the best gardens in the world. And uh, we thought, well, who should, this should be somebody who's our host to lead yeah. us to these places. And we came up with a million ideas, and then we thought of Audrey Hepburn. And Why her, though? For, is she's she a so elegant, herself? and she's so articulate. And oh, you figure it would fit with the theme of the show. Yeah, it's yeah, a great elegant. premise. It's about beauty. Yeah. And who's more beautiful? Than, I, I said, I win the... Most I can give you a garden. list. I'll start with Sophia Loren and work my way down. She's on the list, but there's <laughs> oh, oh, so nice of you, Elizabeth Taylor. I'll keep her on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but I said that I was lucky a guy to be in the most beautiful places in the world with the most beautiful woman in the world, and that yeah. was really true. I mean, she's just such a great, terrific human being, and it's such a pro. And that's and then her, too. she was a you know in the resistance in World War Two. She was. She was ferrying messages through the German lines. Yeah, she was I Dutch, mean, living in in Holland and in Belgium with her mother, and the father was a Northern Irish kind of wastrel, I think. And oh, is that true? Yeah, he, a was, he wasn't in the family. Yeah, he was Mr. Hepburn, but uh, hmm. she was great. I mean, she every day. When it's you know when you're shooting all day long and you're outdoors and it's a, a show about beautiful things, you yeah. have to pay attention to the to the light. And so when you're getting to the end of the day, when the the light is going away, and it's only on for a short time, a golden hour. Yeah, t- things get tense. 
And she would sense it, and she'd say, uh, she'd look at her watch five Because of the urgency she'd of getting be, everything? Yeah, yeah, because you you ha you have to get it done today, yeah. and you can't screw it up. And so she would look at her watch and say, ah, whiskey, and she'd pull out a bottle of Jameson's. And have, everybody would have a little bit. It just took the edge Just a dram, yeah. Wasn't just the ritual of it. Thing? Oh, my goodness, yeah. In other oh, words, I care about you guys who are helping me, making me look good, and here's the least I can do. It's just as a gesture. Wonderful gesture, yeah. Yeah. Well, how was she as a professional? Did she hit her marks? And oh, did you have to coach we her? We learned from her. We learned yeah. from her. She worked with the best cinematographers in and the world. And what year was this? Uh, 2001. Okay. And we were in uh, 13 countries uh, with her in th 13 weeks. So she was like in her 70s then or early 70s? She was, I don't know, about 63, I think it was 64. Oh. And she died shortly after then, but she died the day the show premiered on PBS. Oh. And we had just enough time to get a memorial, in memoriam, Audrey Hepburn. And her oh, day. and this was her last project? Her last project. No, the, she, we finished shooting and started editing, and then she took another, I think she okay. took the Steven Spielberg uh, Always show after us. <laughs> so that was the last show. I, I'm not sure. I don't remember that. Always. She, oh, no, I remember played, the name of it. It wasn't a fantasy type thing. It was. was it? She was an angel. She played an angel. Okay. Well, that's typecasting, isn't yeah. it? She was an angel. Yeah. yeah. Well, the... Um, we have a great time with her. Uh, uh, here's the story my wife will kill me for telling you because she's heard it so many times. We we made a, uh, an arrangement with Ralph Lauren to dress her. You know, when you have a star of that magic magnitude, you have to think about those things. Yeah. What's she going to wear in each garden? So we sent Ralph's people photographs of every garden, and they matched outfits together. And they brought her in from Switzerland, where she lives, and me in from Los Angeles. And we had spent eight hours in Ralph Lauren, with Ralph Lauren right there, right there. Looking at the clothes, she, she she put this on. She said, I don't like I don't like the way it feels. Let's fix that. And Ralph would say, No, 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 it's wrong. That sort of thing. And so, I, what am I doing there? Yeah. yeah. Well, how <laughs> so how say, fun? No, uh, I mean. no, but wait to the payoff. So I had gotten in, in advance of this trip. I left left in Los Angeles. I uh, got a new jacket and wanted to look good from yeah. Laura and then Audrey Hepburn. These two paragons of fashion, right? Yeah. So we spent the whole day there. I had a cry. At, at, at some point, I must have done this, waiting for her to change, you know. And um, everything went off, went up fine. And I went back to my hotel at the end of the day, and I took up my new jacket and threw it on the couch. And there it was, this big price tag right there on, under the <laughs> under, under the flapping around all flapping the time. And the worst than that, it had the word it had a red mark through it. So no, there was it was on sale. It was <laughs> Imagine me. They know. were too they had too much class to say. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, I'm sure they found that charming. I hope so. They didn't yeah. say anything, which is really nice. Ralph Lauren and Audrey Hepburn. My yeah. God, what am I doing? Well, Ralph Lauren, I always give him credit for creating a whole. I don't know what it is. Oh, Hamptons, Waspy, yeah, Waspy Hamptons. Oh yeah, definitely. That nobody actually lived that lifestyle. Oh, I think he did. Well, he did. He created it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He created. And then it he created that Western life, lifestyle in Colorado, his ranch in yeah. in near Ridgeway. That was pretty great. Yeah, he was very talented. I mean, he was a Imagineer. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew how to mold people and get have them give him what he, he wanted. Did he start out in a Shmata trade? I forget. Ties. Men's ties. Okay. Yeah, and the Shmata I just trade. pictured him hustling racks up and down the Lower East well, Side. Well, he was very, in person, he was a very elegant person. Oh, yeah. So with beautifully tailored clothes, of course, and, and modulated voice, and none of yeah. the Brooklyn that was the part honk. of his background. Yeah. <laughs> Carefully sanitized. Yeah. Well, people who invent themselves like that, I just have a great amount of admiration. Me too. Me too. Yeah. They're not victim of their circumstances. No. They're masters. Yeah. yeah. I'm in charge of this. I'm in charge of me. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I think that's great. And I feel like Audrey Hepburn much the same way. Boy, she came up from nothing, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, she was so bird-like in such a way because of lack of nutrition well everybody so says that listen yeah. i have seen her naked okay 
Oh my God! She is in great shape. She is not skinny. She is. She's, she's got breasts and she's shapely and she's zaf, not zafta exactly. Um, but she was. She was a healthy woman. Yeah. You weren't seeing uh, bones sticking out of her. No, she had great thing. I think I have seen a photo of her, like the little swimsuit on, and yeah. the girl's got some booty on her. Yeah, <laughs> she did. <laughs> and she also, because she was trained as a dancer, she carries herself. Yeah, with that poise. With poise. Yeah. The dancer's poise, yeah. Yeah. So that's part of why she How people fun. think she's. she's uh, so, what fit. exactly. I mean, how did you get into this business that you're flying around with Ralph Lauren and Audrey Hepburn? <laughs> how did I get started in this? Uh, well, yeah. I was, uh, it was, um, I was, I think, about 12. And I had the advantage from 12 on knowing that I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And, and uh, I, I was inspired, if you could pardon the expression, by this little logo that was a cameraman on the craft mystery theater oh, yeah. and it was, a, that was, it was on a turntable yeah. i thought wow that's cool i could be that well it turns out i didn't care about camera operating at all i'm not interested in that but mm -hmm. show business oh yes please yeah. my my parents were my father's a doctor but uh, my mother was an actress and he my father produced all the shows that she in the community, in the community, the the governor, New York, yes, governor, five thousand people named after. It must have been Governor Morris, that's right. right? Who was not a governor? No, not, no, not that's that true. Way. It wasn't. He was, the, but he was a founder, right? One of founder, our founding fathers. He signed the Declaration of No. He signed the Constitution. Yeah. So this little tiny town, way. We northern think New you York. you think you're upstate New York. Well, we're no, in northern New York. I think I'm western New York. Western New York, oh, oh, which not, is more that's not Midwest upstate. than upstate. Uh, okay. Yeah, when I think of where you're from, like Messina, is yeah, that, yeah, that that's northern New York. Well, yeah, Saint Lawrence Seaway. Yeah, all yeah. of that is northern. Everything above Utica, Syracuse, Albany, that's northern New York. Yeah, anything above New York City, even it's like upstate. Yonkers and. Yeah, Poughkeepsie, that's that's upstate. Mm -hmm. I think the Western New York boundary, Syracuse, I guess. I'm trying to think of like the Genesee River. Oh, the Finger Lake, the, Finger Lakes, maybe. Yeah, that Finger the, Lakes, the eastern a, boundary a delineation. Of, hmm. Yeah, but growing up in a small, frozen little town like that, it must have been get out. Yeah, that was me. Is that how you felt? Yeah, I think. Everybody that grows up in a small no not no sure. not everybody no no my brother is settled in most happily to some town you know he did a stint in the military like the rest of us yeah. and was that your first out was the service or no uh, college University of North Carolina Chapel Hill oh okay. and then UCLA and the day I got my MFA from UCLA I got my draft notice so yeah. then I went into the army. Oh, I was a terrific soldier, ah, Where as you, you can imagine. Out on recon? No, I, mostly we did training tapes, videotapes, and mm. for uh, like... Uh, like Ronald Reagan. Did he do he that? Did. Training videos. Yeah. Like Frank Capra. Well, not yeah. hardly. We were doing tr very hardcore training tapes, you know. Yeah, like... On this a period of instruction, you will, one, learn about the Sultan, two. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, but the way they always framed it to us was... Tell them what you're going to tell them. Yeah, tell right. them, and then tell them what you told them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's very true. It's effective. It, yeah, it is. Rote learning. Yeah. My first, well, I was in the field as a ROMAD in the Air Force. ROMAD? A ROMAD is like for, the guys that support the forward air control. Oh. We're just, just point man, goons. Like point we're man? just, not, well, you're, you're out there, but you're helping them carry gear and set up. Oh, and oh, re, oh. Doing a recon, making sure that they got, you know. They're relatively safe, as they call in airstrikes and such. It's not a very glamorous job. It's mostly just humping equipment up and over hill and dale. Nothing very glamorous about the military, yeah. I don't think. But I got out of that job as soon as I could. <laughs> got an administration headquarters, 3rd Air Force, which was where, really fun to be where. Where was that? The nerve was... center, RAF Mildenhall. That's, Connecticut? Uh, no, that's in England. It's... You oh, RAF. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's, a, it's a American base, but, you know, they didn't have a title or however that works. But it was just a big airfield, mostly. They'd 
You know, it's where the bombing runs of mm-hmm. Germany were taking place. And where were you stationed? <laughs> Fort Dix, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So every that's weekend right. I would take a bus, 90-minute bus, into Manhattan, see Broadway shows. I saw yeah. the best stuff in the 60s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. So then you knew you were in the business. You felt like you were already yeah. in the business. Oh, Did I, have that military experience help uh, on your CV, your resume? No. I, in fact, my master's degree, my MFA, hasn't helped at all either. You think of you'd, it helps in building connections. Yeah. But what if you. And what was it, the history? Did you have. My what? Maybe I'm getting you mixed up with somebody else, but I thought you had some kind of a degree in history. No. No, some. MFA else. in theater arts. Yeah. It's a big, very helpful. <laughs> really? It seems like, yeah, those people are all like theater people. They know each other, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was great then that I got an internship on the Red Skelton show and on, oh on the Andy God. Williams Christmas Claude show. Claude Cadiddlehopper. Yep, yep. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. The Hobo. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, God, I can't either. Mortimer Schnur. Mortimer Schnur. Oh, no, that, no, was, that, that was Edgar. Charlie McCarthy. Ed, Edgar Burke and Charlie McCarthy. But who was off and on the Red Skelton show. Right? Yes, he was. I do remember those. That was like some of my earliest TV memories. Red Skelton cracking himself up. He'd break the fourth wall. I, I once worked for hit with him on the Mike Douglas show. Um, I worked on that show as a producer, yeah. and uh, he was a co did five shows with us, a co-host, and he came in all by himself. And I met him at the airport, and he and my wife Kyle and I took him out to dinner at Palumbo's, this this awful nightclub, Italian nightclub. And um, we, we we took care of him in that because he was all alone. Yeah. And at the end of the after after they did the fifth show, he said, "You come with me in the limo, and and I'll take you home." Okay. But um, my car is right. No, no, we'll figure that out. So I got in the limousine with him. We drove out to my house in Balakinwood, which is in the suburbs. And he got out of the car and. I did too, and he went up to our front door and rang the doorbell, my house, and Kyle came to the door with our baby daughter, Sarah, uh-huh. and he said, you can imagine how, how he sounded, this is for you, yeah. this is for you. He gave her a, a an opal and diamond ring. What? Says, because my wife wants you to know that she appreciates you taking care of me. Oh, wow, that's sweet. You still well, have it? He, it was stolen. Oh, man. When we moved to Los Angeles. I wonder if the thief knew yeah. the provenance. Probably not. Imagine that, though. Jeez. Yeah, why would they? Yeah, something so personal. Yeah. Well, that's that's sweet. Uh, yeah, I that's could not... tell he probably was a very generous man. I mean, He was. He's he had a, a very sensitive and kind of um, disturbed man. He was, you think um, he had some dark shadow? He had some shadow? He did. He did some shadow. How did that manifest? Was it alcoholism uh, it or didn't, something? Uh, on, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, it didn't on stage, on camera. He was great. But traveled alone, doesn't trust anybody, carried his, he had a cane. Yeah, which had a hollow core, and in it was diamonds. Right. Just That's in case all he needs them. Well, no, he had plenty of wealth, but um, things like that. And and he's talking about his wife. He misses her so much. He said we were driving in the limo back up to my home, and he's looking up at the moon. He said, "Lothian is calling me." Okay, so he talked to her a little bit without benefit of cell phone. Oh. And <laughs> wait, was she still alive? She, 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 she he, they were both alive, yes. Okay. Yeah. So he thought he could communicate with her through yeah. some kind of lunar wavelength? Bouncing. Yeah. Sure. So It's kind of sweet, actually. It's, it's, it's dear, yes. Yeah. It's dear. But I don't think he's just your average comic. No. No Jackie Joey. No. <laughs> well, um, did you ever see that movie, um, My Favorite Year? I think so, about the writers, Joel, the, the writer's Joel room. Mantegnan. Yeah, the writer's room. And, yeah, uh, I did. King of Kings, I think it was, you know, nostalgia for Sid Caesar. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, in fact, uh, Rob Reiner, not Rob Reiner, uh, Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner, he was yeah, in it. Yeah. Probably wrote it. Joe Mantegna played the Sid Caesar character. 
Uh, Peter O'Toole was amazing. Oh, yes, I just thought name? he was so good in that movie. So funny. But it was just, you know, that was in the 80s, and it's being nostalgic for the 50s. I guess that's right. The nostalgia cycle's about 25 years, I figure. <laughs> is it? Yeah, something like that. Huh. Whatever that we're doing now that we don't even know in the year, tw- in the 20, whatever, 2050s, 2040s, mm-hmm. 2050s, it's going to be like, a, all, again, like we've seen we're the back. 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how that works. Is that your theory, or is that somebody else's theory? That's interesting. I think that's somebody. I think it's a lot of people's theory. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty common that the nostalgia cycle runs in twenty to twenty-five years. We'll be back in twenty years. Yeah, you, you think of like American Graffiti came out in the seventies, nostalgia for the fifties. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, I think that's about. Um, so, if you're looking to make money, grab a hold of all the pristine. Fidget spinners, although that's like 10 years in the past. <laughs> God, what do we have now already. that are really everywhere? I was just thinking about that the other day. But just get boxes of them and get them, stick them in a storage unit and hold on to them for 20 years. And, and, then you just and pay $300 a month for the storage unit. Yeah, yeah, all the 10 or 12-year-old. Yeah, I know. It may not work. Or bury them in a you have to tight th- box. And then just all the kids that, you know... 10, 12 years old now, when they're in their 30s and 40s, they're going to go crazy for all that, all those That's crap. signatures of their childhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, t- tell us more about showbiz. I've heard that there's <laughs> show- no biz like showbiz. That's probably true. I mean, there's no security in show business. It's, it's, it's all the public taste, the whole the public damn taste, the yeah. damn public's taste, you know, you try to figure it out, and then they slip away from you. <laughs> so, in terms, there is no there's no security in show business. Um, yeah. It is uh, maddening because it's exciting and thrilling, and yeah, and you get to meet wonderful blood, people. Yeah. And yeah, it's I wouldn't have tra- traded it. Well, when we left, uh, we left. We 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 moved here from to to Ohio in 2015, and we. Oh, really I thought it was, was 2005. 2005. See. Yeah, I, I have known you longer than 2015. <laughs> okay. But it became clear living in Los Angeles that I really didn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, so there is no show business like no, no business like show business because it ends. At least yeah. it did for me. And then I came here and was there's a nice new lifestyle, but I met Joan and we got involved in theater. There I am back again, sort of show yeah. business, but it's not the business, show business show. adjacent. Yeah. yeah. Adjacent, right. Well, Ohi is the better for it, Stu, yeah. I can tell oh, you. Oh, thank you. But growing up in a small town, I mean, how did that influence your career, do you think? You feel like you learned lessons? It's just getting along with people and. Being able to collaborate and yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you got to put your egos away and everybody's kind of a leveler being in a small town. Nobody can't gets get away too with, fancy with your. Team. You, you can't get away with much crap. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't take away much from living in a small town, except my parents and their interest in the theater. Well, yeah, that's a, your entree, I guess. Did you feel that magic, like if your mom was on stage in a no, show? No. I I wanted to be backstage. That's you wanted where to be I, a director. I wanted going. pulling the curtain. Imagine yeah. pulling the curtain. How cool is that? That is kind of cool. Cueing somebody. Go on, you're yeah. on. You know, with a clipboard and a headset. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I can see that. My father was not. He was a doctor, and he wasn't very interested in acting, except he wanted to be doing backstage stuff too so he was producer one night he had to go on for somebody who was sick and all he had to do was raise the raise the window up upstage window like this and say shut up yeah so he came up shut up shut up backstage he's going back but shut up shut up his cue came and he rolled up to him he said be quiet (laughs) (laughs) so he wasn't an actor was not a performer nor I I really I just I have a lot of admiration for that. I've only had one real stage experience. Oh, tell me. It was a Christmas pageant when I was about six or seven years old. You play a wise man? I played a angel who (laughs) hearkens, hearkened angel to say, 
I remember the line. It was, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my son before thee to prepare thy way. I got nothing out. I froze. And then I peed my pants in front of everyone. I hadn't. I tried to go to the bathroom before, and I couldn't. And then I just got so scared. And it was just like... He who, like, how, I, it's a complicated sentence, I didn't too. get anything out. <laughs> you didn't get anything. Nothing. I completely froze. That's why it stuck in my head. I'd probably freeze up again if I had to go up there and do that. Oh, uh, yeah. But that was like, okay, not for me. No. That's I enjoy being in the audience. I like to be... I like to an go appreciator. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I respect the work and the art and, and the, the creativity. And, and the magic that they feel. Yes. They, they do. Yeah. I actually was one other play, just because a girl that I had a big crush on was playing Annie in Annie Get Your Gun. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, this was the Whiskey Flat Days production in Kernville when I was a reporter there. Ah. But the problem was that I got a part with a lot of lines, Uh-oh. and I had backed away from that, um, but I still had a bunch of lines. I took like three or four other small parts that they couldn't cast, but I'd already gotten together with this girl, so I had to go through with it. I just wanted to not do it at that point. I had got her number. I'd already gone out on some dates. Everything was working great. There's no reason for me to have to go perform, but I did. I got through it. It was How many performances did you have to do? I think it was like five. Aye, aye, aye. Whiskey Flat Days, if you haven't been, it's just a hokey Western-themed shootouts and parade and Kernville? Whiskey Flat Wagon. It was fun. Uh, President's Day weekends. May, you know, try to get some tourism in the middle of winter. But, yeah, I ended up marrying her and having some kids Oh, there. you did? Ah. Yeah, that was the first of my ex-wives. Uh-huh. So that was now you have been married for a long time, huh? Fifty three years. Damn. In show business that's impossible. Yeah. You must be what is, you must be kidding. How did you manage that? Like what is the Well, secret? we have separate thing separate things. She has a, a studio in, in our house and where she does quilting and she's really good at it. And I have an office where I make phone calls. That's what my yeah. my son who was when he was six, he was playing with a friend and his friend said, um, What's your dad doing? And he says, he's the producer. And he said, what's that? Peter said, he makes phone calls. <laughs> it's That's the probably truth. About as, it's probably the about truth. as accurate a description as any. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> I can't imagine 53 years. That's, that's, well, uh, we, we do separate things, and we have separate, we have a, a colliding interests and good colliding. Yeah. Um, we like to cook. We like to travel. We're, we're going to go to Mexico in a couple of weeks. And, um, See our daughter, who is a very accomplished artist. I don't know if you've seen her work. A visual artist. Yes, I think you had a show here, or she had a no. something here in Ohio. No, in Los Angeles. Mm. She's all around the world, and she's. And Does she make a living at it? Oh yes. Really? Because that is a tough field. It is horrible, but she knows how to do it. I remember. Yeah. Does she have representation? Is that she has the lots secret? of representation? Yeah. She is represented by galleries in. Stockholm, Berlin, London, Hong Kong, Mexico City, uh, Los Angeles, and New York. Seven. Wow, yeah. that sounds like a jet setter. Is that what she she's is. doing? She was in, around she was in Sao Paulo last week, uh, doing a, installing a show, and then she's got the, a show coming up in March at the Pulitzer Museum in St. Louis, hmm. and she got she got a chance to meet Mrs. Pulitzer, who invited her for tea. I like that you pronounce it correctly, because Pulitzer. it bugs me when people say Pulitzer. Pulitzer, yes. Yeah, I always say, stick my finger and say, Pulitzer. <laughs> Pulitzer. <laughs> Pulitzer. And so, so she got to see Mrs. Pulitzer's apartment, which is full of Rothko's and Matisse's. Oh, really? And, and Mrs. Pulitzer said, would you like to have an, an Ellsworth Kelly next to one of your paintings? I don't know. Ellsworth Kelly, well, is a great minimalist, uh, abstract mm. painter, one of the greatest ones, and and my daughter is uh, admires him and is inspired by him. So um, that's a huge. thing. She gave that to you. She, she or gave it to your daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ellsworth Kelly. Oh, he didn't oh. give it to her. No, he let her use it in his, her show. Okay. So he let her. She, Mrs. Pulitzer, let. Her the, borrow Sarah Barra, the Ellsworth yeah. Kelly. That's a big deal. Wow. 
Well, who's your favorite artist besides your daughter, of course? I like the I like Matisse a lot. Yeah, why is that? Is it the colors, the, uh, the, the vividness? It, the, yes, the vividness, the, uh, the 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 unafraid of color. Yeah, uh, and and not a, a disciple of realism necessarily. Yeah. He likes to twist it. Um, and the, um, I think he's the draftsmanship's too pretty good, huh? Oh yeah. I, I always that's the first thing I go to is somebody that can draw a really nice line. Like I just uh, just think that's amazing. When I was a kid, you hear about a Chinese artist who could draw a straight line for a mile, one mile, perfectly straight line, or draw perfect circles. Wow, wow. You know, you know that uh, Picasso sketch of the bird, very simple. It's a charcoal sketch. I think so. That sounds profile. My father said, not an art lover. Said, I could do this. I said, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah, but also, you know, there's a there's a grifting a grifting element that goes to, especially like Picasso. I mean, he's selling the stories. Mm -hmm. True. He's selling the. The romance I don't think Sarah's doing that. She, she, she could, no. but I don't think she is. I think that there is a lot. I think Jeff Koons is somebody who's in the, mm. he's in the, he's know. In the business. He knows that he's grifting. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was a financier. He's honest about it, yeah. 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 And that just somehow makes it even all the more alluring for people with lots of money. Yeah. It's a safe place to put their money, even though. Good. That's a good it's, point. Yeah. I never thought of that. That's why they collect. But he, you know, saw so many people with more money than sense when he was in, on Wall Street. And then he had one of those, well, I can do that moments. Mm-hmm. And then he actually went out there and did it. You got to re- admire that. Yeah. And he like, helped create that market. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, I can't take anything away from them. Oh, back to talk shows. We have a story in the next issue on Franklin Lacey. Yeah, yeah you told me about that. Tell yeah, me, I don't who know that was name. the first... Franklin Lacey wrote the book for Music Man. Oh, ah, that, I read about that in the Music Man program, yes. And we have a big, big story, over 10,000 words. Oh, and did he get, give some money, uh, some royalties? To- well, the book, they own that at Happy Valley School. I think uh, the school owns it, not even the foundation. Uh, so it goes right, because he was the headmaster and taught there for uh, years. But he knew everybody. He was working on... Or towards the end of Aldous Huxley's life, he was Huxley was determined to make a musical out of Brave New World. Good Lord! And he hired Franklin Lacey to do the book, and which he did, and it's done. It's never been performed except in in pieces. I think there was a table read in North Carolina, and then Susan Collegian taught drama at Besson Hill School mm-hmm. and did something. She did it. She did. But. Can you imagine Brave New World? It just doesn't seem like science fiction lends itself to musicals, but no dancing girls. Yeah, he was he was convinced it was going to be a big hit. But Franklin Lacey did everything. He was like nine years old and touring the world talking about fairies. Got hmm. him hooked up with a theosophist and all. That's how he found his way to Ohio. Ah. But when he was in Los Angeles in the 1930s, he was at the first. TV station in Los Angeles, whatever, was just, you know, some big box that, you know, half a dozen people had sets to watch, but he did a talk show of, you know, just him talking to people, just literally just... Famous people or... or Famous people, mostly artists that were coming through town, promoting their projects, Hmm. what you would expect. I mean, basically the same format we have today. That's in the next OQ? Yeah. Going to be a really, really interesting story. It's one of those... You know, Z-League type, weaving through every last little facet, not just of Ojai, but of the world. Mm. I mean, this guy was fascinating. Frankly, I didn't know anything about him until Mark brought that up. And he wrote the the script for The Music Man or the, the, uh, yeah, the a script. novel? Or? Yeah, like the li- libretto. Huh. Yeah, I think The Music Man was, well... Um, Meredith Wilson wrote the yeah, book t- of music. Yeah, it took him, you know, he, he couldn't get anywhere until he got with... Franklin Lacey. Hmm. But yeah, they're getting big checks. You know, the revival with Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman did very well. Oh, God, yes. So they were getting some fat stacks. Fat stacks. Yeah. But that, you know, once the stars finished their run, they probably wisely decided not to keep the show going. Yeah. Well, what was your, what were some of the jobs that you had, like a average day? 
in the life of Stu Crowner working on the Mike Douglas show, which my mom watched every day with her her tea and cigarettes. She'd sit there and smoke cigarettes and watch Mike Douglas. Well, th- there will be no Mike Douglas show or a Mike Douglas clone show in the future because the audience has changed so very much. Yeah. And that's that's the big shift in talk shows. And the daytime talk shows are really vicious, horrible people screaming at each other. Oh, you think Jerry, uh, Springer. Jerry Springer? But oh, is yeah. it really still? I'm yes, not, yes, yes. I thought that was like a '90s thing. Because any any woman you know who might have been home watching with your mother is would ne- never watch daytime television. There's nothing to see on daytime television, which is the home base for talk shows, mostly, the daytime yeah. talk shows. So we have the late-night talk shows. But wait a minute. Well, there's still, like, Ellen DeGeneres. Isn't that a daytime no, talk show? She, I mean, she, she it stopped. was, yeah. She stopped. So no. really, there are none? Wow. Well, that's that's I a shame. Know. That's such a big part of my growing up. Is, big know. part of my growing up, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, big part of your career, too. Yeah. It's it's because the audience has changed. And the people who are at home watching are people who couldn't get a job or don't want to yeah. work. Or, On disability you know, or, or whatever. Uneducated people, necessarily. Yeah. They're not, it's not, I, we did segments in the Mike Douglas show with... with uh, Ralph Nader and, yeah. uh, you know, smart like, people and, yeah. and as well yeah. as Fred Remember, Skelton. Remember, we had public intellectuals back then. Like, we did, yeah. <clears> people like were Eric not ashamed Hopper of it. and Gore Vidal. Yes. Oh, God, what a great guest he was. Yeah. He'd always give you something. He was, he well, he was a pro. He was yeah, such a... he was. Yeah, there's a great story about him and uh, Tony Curtis on the set of... I don't remember. He wrote the script. Spartacus, wasn't, maybe. Was Spartacus, Spartacus, maybe. Well, no, Charlton Heston was in the movie as well, but it was a swords and sandals type of mm. film. But they, you know, Char- Charlton Heston is such a, a block of wood, <laughs> and they were just having a good time because Tony Curtis was in the know. He was, you know, he was wised up. Yeah, but they were giving him very flagrantly pink sort of <laughs> gay lines. You know, it was like, you know, snails or. What do they call uh, snails or figs or something? Is like obviously a reference to Jenna Taylor or something. And they just had make Charlton S and put, do it line over and over and over, <laughs> cracking themselves up, laughing so hard. <laughs> I think it was Lawrence Olivier was in uh, that film as well. Anyway, I just thought Gore Vidal was just wicked funny. And the way he triggered William F. Buckley in that. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 You, you fatty. <laughs> William Buckley's accent, I could never figure that out. I always thought, oh, well, he's Baltimore. When people say mid-Atlantic, I think, oh, you mean halfway uh, down the Atlantic coast? No, no. I don't know. Halfway no. between London that's and America. Right. That's right. It took me a long time to figure <laughs> that out. I figured it was like a Chesapeake Bay accent, but no, not at all. But would you watch a daytime talk show today? Um, they've never been gayed at you. At, at, at yeah, men. I think they're not aiming at me. But I would watch something that had, you know, like a, not just entertainers, but people who could tell stories, like like a Cavett show in the daytime. Yeah, like a Dick mm-hmm. Cavett show. Yeah. Exactly. There's even there like wouldn't be in the Brothers, daytime. That would be nobody like a, more would. like a variety show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wouldn't do that in the daytime because yeah. there's no audience there. No. But even the way audiences are getting split up now, it's interesting. The proliferation of podcasts. I feel like a veteran. I've only been doing this for three years. <laughs> really? There's like a million podcasts now, literally, like 1.1 million. Do, do any of them make, make money for the owners? No. Uh, yes, actually. Is it an the, ego the sliverest, uh, you know, the t- tiniest sliver makes a lot of money. But all the advertising dollars are migrating to podcasts. Really? Yeah. And the other thing I didn't know was your archive has value. I just think, well, people catch the episode or not, and that's the end of it. No, people go back and listen to episodes of this podcast that are, you know, three years old. It still picks up listens. Wow. I didn't know they had a shelf life like that. No. So that's one of the reasons why I keep doing it. Sure, so why not? It has value. Yeah, I mean, for Ojai to have those conversations, I think. You know, we start out talking about OPAT and their performances and you know who knows where it ends up you know we're in my red skeleton story will survive in red skeleton 25 awesome. years awesome <laughs> i love red skeleton and who was the other one that reminded me of oh donald o'connor and 
Danny Kay, although they weren't really comedians. Well, comic actors, though. That's yeah. Sure. And who... There was another feature show or variety show about the time. Oh, well, Jackie Gleason. That was like a golden age. I know, mm-hmm. yeah, I hate that word, but it was. There's no entertainers, performers of that stature now that I can think of anyway. Maybe there are, but I don't, I just don't think of any well, a modern day Jackie Gleason. Mm-hmm. They're not interested today in, in talk so much as performance. You know, yeah. it's wonderful performers. You know, Taylor Swift, wouldn't she have an interesting talk show? She She's a smart. Who? Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, she's I think very she, personable. Yeah. I adore Taylor Swift. Yeah. I really, I just had. Wouldn't she be a good know, one to have? It was inappropriate for me to admire her. <laughs> I just think she's got something. I could totally see her pulling off a. You know, because she knows everybody in the business. I don't think that people would are available. Her kind of audience is available in the daytime. We're talking about daytime television. Yeah. Because there's no place in it for a nighttime. It's all going to be shout fest, Jerry Springer. It's uh, awful. Yeah. Who's the worst, though? There's others that are even worse than... Uh, um, He's married to Connie Cho. Maury Povich. Yeah, Jerry Springer is an interesting fellow because he used to be the mayor of Cincinnati. I know. Or as my mom would say, Cincinnati. Shame on you, Jerry. Yeah. I don't know that he was a serious character but while he was mayor. I think it was like stunt casting. Oh, really? But he was known for actually getting some work done. But there was some corruption scandal, just how he ended up in the business. <laughs> Come on aboard. Yeah. Come on aboard. But what were your range of duties like? Handling and did you work with the well, camera people as well to make sure they got well, the right it, shots? It, what what you work producer. on in a new talk show is the, the pattern, the pattern, the format. In other words, it's a format, but the and the and the director has a pattern of shooting it, which so it's always the same all the time. So you, you can cope with any kind of thing that comes in front of yeah. the cameras, and the producer has has to feed those ideas. To, the producer is in charge of the content. Yeah, the director's in charge of the the images and and the the running time and things like that. The pacing that. and all. So I would meet with the staff of um, let's say of Jenny Jones show, which I did for a year. Yeah, in Chicago. How was she? I I kind of liked her, although it was starting to tip into that Jerry Springer territory, wasn't it? Yes. You probably saw that. That's why I only did one year. That's why I did one year. Because uh, they wanted to make it tougher, rougher, like the Jerry Springer, which is in the same building oh, in NBC really? Tower in Chicago. So you'd see all those uh, awful people lined the up, Nazis going, and uh, Klan's people, uh, all the. So when Warner trash. Brothers said we want to make Jenny tougher, and I said, "Well, first of all, one, she doesn't know how to be tougher. She's she's a sweet lady, yeah, and she'd have to fake it, and that you that would sh- she would show she, she would the it would show authenticity." authenticity oh my god um so i left but um it was just ugly and she couldn't do it and i'll give you an example of of, i tuned in once we moved back to los angeles i tuned in the first show that they that of jenny jones without me yeah the topic was men who topic was men who masturbate too much <laughs> isn't that a charming idea oh my god so jenny was saying uh, jenny who's not a, a, a tough journalist she was saying um how many times did you do it yesterday and he said oh six and don't your kids uh mind and she says oh they don't care oh my god this is kind of this is the kind well, of people what was we're her background about. i'm curious now she was a comic She's from oh, K- really? I didn't yeah. know. She did stand-up comedy. She has six great minutes. Yeah, her tight six. A tight six, and and Jim Paratore and Warner Brothers saw her in a nightclub in Los Angeles. And he could see the potential, because she was just funny. It was, it was called uh, uh, Ladies' Night Out or something. No, that's not it. I forget what it was. G- girls, girls, girls' Night Out, that's what it's yeah. called. And it was aimed at a female audience. And he said, this is just right for daytime. She's funny. Oh, you see, she's, she's connecting she's with the audience, huh? Yes. Yeah. 
So he hired her, and ultimately it ran for 12 years. This is pretty I great. I remember it was on a while. But she had to figure out, we had to help her figure out how to do it, and because she was afraid of everything. Oh, really? Like yeah. timid? Timid, yeah. And, yeah. and neurotic. And uh, her, I remember the first three months, we had 14 different hairdressers. Whoa. Now, what because does that say? What does that say to you? Yeah, it says she her hair is not that important, is it? Yeah, she wouldn't come out of her dressing room. I'd have to knock on her door and please. Be, we have people are standing by. We have stars mm. and th oh no, my hair looks terrible, and she would cry. And, uh, oh man, that, that, that was why am I telling job, you this? This is that none was of your, your job. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but the idea that you're putting this production on, you're the one that must have been stressed out. Yeah. Yeah, because you were responsible for every bit of it. Yes, huh? and and all the Warner Brothers executives were back in Burbank, and, I, and I'm in Chicago all about with her, yeah. getting a call at 10.30 at night saying um, she was in tears. And I said, what's the matter? She said, I'm at this the convenience store, and I'm telling this guy who's at the cashier that he shouldn't put the baguettes in, in plastic, in um, clinging plastic. It should be in a crisp paper. Yeah. And he doesn't understand. She's telling me this at 10.30 at night. But why was that even an issue to her? Was she diva? Was she diva? Yeah. Oh, man. I hate when that happens because they don't always, <laughs> they don't start out that way. Divas are not, are not born. They're created. Oh, oh yeah. sure, yeah. That's too bad. She seems so relatable. Well, she was. She figured it out, didn't she? Yeah. And she had some coaching, a lot of coaching, and that was good. And thanks to her, she she worked hard at it. Yeah. What were the ratings? Like, what are the ratings that you're going oh, for? Oh, so much better when we started. That like a three rating, which, which is nine hundred thousand households. Now it's you. You can't get a point five yeah. in the daytime anymore. A point is. Not quite a million households, right? Uh, right, about that. About yeah. 900,000. So 3 million is, is 200, nice. 2 million, 2.7 million, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. That is a lot for yeah. daytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, half a point, 400, 500,000. I know, like primetime news anchors, like Tucker Carlson, ugh, where, <laughs> you know, um, Sean Hannity, the highest rated, they're only getting a two- they're not even getting two million most yeah. nights. Yeah. But then you go to MSNBC and then it drops off pretty quick. I mean, Rachel is rivaling those numbers. Rachel is getting, yeah, like a 1.8 or 1.9. I guess it just liberals don't <clears throat> watch new shows. I think the audience think skews right. older. Yeah, it, yeah. it is older and they don't really watch TV all that much. Yeah. So who was the worst boss, though? Mike Douglas seemed like he was just a complete professional. He's a complete professional. He's a sweetheart guy. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a new series called uh, Gaslit. Do you know oh, about yeah. it? I would recommend it. It's on Prime. A limited series type A of? limited series. We just watched the last one, eight. There are eight of them. Julie Roberts and Sean Penn. John, Sean Penn is John Mitchell, and Julia Roberts is Martha oh, Mitchell. Oh, yeah, It's yes, incredible. Yes. But Martha there's a Mitchell clip a from the Mike Douglas show, which is not a yeah. clip. It's a restaged with an actor playing yeah. Mike, <laughs> and my, with Julia Roberts as Martha being interviewed on Mike's show. Yeah. And this, this actor, <laughs> I just kept thinking Mike would be rolling in his grave if he saw this actor who was really fat. Playing him, oh, yeah. Mike Douglas suit. is very debonair. Yeah, he suave, was. Yeah, you know? my mom had a big crush on. Proud him. of it, you know. Yeah, and Mike would say, yeah, "Look at that fat ass who they hired." Yeah, he, you get to he's hear him. no longer with us. So, what about um, and, Andy Williams? Did you work on that show as well? Yeah, I, I just worked as, a, as an intern, so I was backstage working on those Christmas shows. Yeah. Oh, those were yeah. famous. Yeah. Boom. And I'm not going to sing. Don't sing, please. No. But that was uh, the way he closed out It's the out most wonderful time of the year, that one. Yeah. He closed every show by Moon River. Just yeah. just a little bit, a fragment of it. And then he had the, his wife ran off with the skier, Spider yeah. Savage. Is right. That right. What was her name? Claude, Claudette. Claudine uh, Langer. Claudine Langer. Yeah, she was really something. I always felt bad for him because he was, what, 30 years older than her or something? Maybe. Yeah. He had his hands full. But um, that was your entry into the business. Wow. 
Kind of, yeah. Let's what see. was the last show that you worked on? Did you know that was it? Was there like a going away party, gold watch kind of thing? <laughs> or was it just everybody was packing up and moving out? Or what was mm-hmm. the scenario? Jenny Jones, I remember that was a nice uh, party they had. They gave for me because I was leaving and they were saying, and Jenny was saying, she said I was, she sang the wind beneath my wings oh, to me. Nice. Which is lovely. Did she have a good voice? Not bad. Yeah, yeah. She's a performer, you know. So yeah, she, sure. She, she knows how to do it, there. how to sell it, you know. Uh, other shows. I was so glad to leave one of them. Uh, the Love Connection. The I'm trying to remember the Love Connection. That was a about game a dating, show, right? Or, a dating game. Well, kind of. Was a game. it Chuck Woolery? Chuck Woolery, yeah. Two and two. I remember he'd do that thing. <laughs> Be back two o two o two. That's two, two minutes and two seconds. That's yeah. a commercial break. Yeah. You don't have commercial breaks here. No, I don't do commercials yet. But you would. But if you listen to it now, you won't have commercials. If you wait six or eight months, there's going to be commercial breaks in all the old episodes. Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll make some money. Yeah, eventually. It wouldn't. If I ever figure that out, I'll, I'll let people know. Because <laughs> right now, it's all I'm trying to do is avoid getting a real job. So That's anything else? Job. What is there to talk about? What else is going on? Do we have I mean, to we'll film? go back to OPAT. Let's go back to OPAT. Yeah. One of these shows again, the first one. You said oh, it was yes. Richard's, Richard's show? Richard's show called is again? called Lord of Mercy. Lord of Mercy. Lord of Mercy, you know, like an evangelical. Yeah, because he's from North Carolina. Yeah. Well, he's from Detroit first, and then they moved uh, when he was six or something to North Carolina. And this story of his family is true, and it is hysterically funny. I like the one. I he want did. you to interview him sometime. And yeah. on this podcast. Because well, he plays on our trivia team. Yeah. I see Richard yeah. every Tuesday. He's he's very competitive. Yeah. But he tells this story so great. Oh, wonderful. And what was it, like an hour, an hour and ten? Uh, it's about, yeah, an hour and five minutes, I think. Yeah. And he we were, we were, and we were still being invited to um, do it at the new Ojai Playhouse, but that keeps getting pushed back and back back. So we're... We're going to bring maybe I'm, I'm something else. I'm a 100% David Berger fan. I, I just too. really want that guy to get that going. It's so important to the community. But yeah, To the look of the community, too. Really. And, and then to get that hotel open again, yeah. it's going to be, um, you know, as a business person in town, I can tell you, you know, the pandemic is rough. But Ojai never got back to pre-Thomas Fire levels. Oh, really? No. Wow. That was because of the hotel. When the Cluffs... Closed and no didn't just, you know, they were ready to retire. And it just really, you know, those 60 rooms or whatever times 300 and, you know, it's 30,000, 40,000 people come through there every year. That makes a difference. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. All the stories about the ladies that would come up for weekends, you know, reducing, doing exercise classes and all, and then they would do bafo business at the village pharmacy and candy bars. That was like the, <laughs> all those little stories, I love that. I miss seeing Sheila Clough and Don. Oh, they were such nice people. Yeah. Good uh, supporters of OPAT, and, and the arts really. Uh-huh. They're supporters of everything that somebody yeah. had. Yeah, you know, really true. felt passionate about. They were, I wonder how Don is these days. Have you seen he's him? A, I saw his daughter. She is going to come Kathy. on the podcast. No, Kimberly, oh, who's her. an attorney oh, for sh- the Indian tribes of California. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She talked about the uh, decision on the Indian Child Welfare Act, which was really compelling. That's a little teaser for a coming episode. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's in good spirits. I think oh, uh, you know he's had had a very long and full life, and I think he's about Plattsburgh, New York. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I've been. I used to go to the Adirondacks every summer. Yeah, I'd hitchhike up there, go trout fishing, oh, great. pike, and yeah, we mostly go on the Osable River, Osable Chasm, Chasm. Right there below yeah. Mount Whiteface, or Whiteface Mountain, I White, forget. Whiteface Mountain. Yeah, so that's not far from where you grew up, huh? Is this interesting to the... It's uh, like, you'd be surprised at what I get feedback on. Really? I think the more but, specific something is, the more people relate to it. Oh, I think so. I think people want anecdotes. They don't want so much philosophizing. And, no, and they want to have a story. Yeah, they want to hear about people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's true. 
All right. Well, that's probably a good... Now that we got everybody's appetite whetted for some anecdotes, we think we'll wrap it up. Okay, great. All right, Thank you very much. It was just fun. Yeah. Just thinking out loud. Uh, in the three years I've been doing this podcast, I am learning a lot. Mostly my good fortune to be in Ojai, which I had an inkling before. But also the conversations that take place before and after the podcast, where really get to know people and connect with them and you feel a sense of community I'm not sure you could find that pretty much anywhere else it's just such a great experience I was also you know mean to talk about some of the books that I've been reading and what you know is in my media diet I think that people uh, really I love to. I love it when people share that with me. As I mentioned, I'm reading those Cormac McCarthy books, The Passenger, the first one. But I just started reading this book called Indigenous Continent by Pekahamalainen, which talks about the actual story of Native Americans. We think of them as just being inexorably pushed aside, but it didn't happen right away. It happened over generations. And the Indians held their own, like the Battle of Greasy Grass, as they like to call Custer's Last Stand. That was a resounding victory. It wasn't just some fluke. And there were many others, like the... I think it was the pestilence more than the force of arms. Smallpox, diphtheria, whooping cough, these diseases that the Native Americans had no resistance to that created all these problems. That was Guns, Germs, and Steel. That was the premise of that book. In any event, there's a couple of couple of suggestions for you. Other than that, I'm going to sign off. And, uh, you know, thanks. We'll keep an ear out for you. <laughs>